To have passion in life is everything. What's your Everest? Oh, is it yeah. that 200 inch box? They just look so impressive when they're wide. Especially running away. <laughs> Welcome to this week's episode of Eastman's Elevated. It's like a think tank for outdoor activity. Sounds exactly like my hunting. Just always thinking about it, always trying to evolve it and make it better. Here's your host, Brian Barney. Yo, what's happening, guys? Got a brand new Eastman's Elevated for you. So today on the podcast, I have on Dan Staten. Dan Staten runs the Elk Shape podcast. He's part of the Elk Collective. He's got a bunch of irons in the fire in the hunting industry. He's always hustling and has a great work ethic. And, and he takes that work ethic to his hunting. Uh, he's in this constant state of self-evaluation and self-improvement and really lives by the by the the words that he says um it i really get a lot of motivation out of guys like this and dan's just um he's constantly working to improve his skill set and get better uh the guy loves to bow hunt and so this is a great in-depth conversation i think you guys will really enjoy i just want to thank a couple of my sponsors i want to thank matthew's bows uh dan staten is also shooting matthew's bows Oh, man, I just really believe they're building the absolute best bows on the market. Uh, that new VXR, that thing holds so good. Uh, such a forgiving shooting bow, easy to tune. Uh, they're getting a ton of performance out of it. It's really quiet. Man, the thing is just an absolute shooter. Um, I can't wait to take it out here in a handful of days and cut loose across the West with that bow and arrow. But uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's an absolute great shooting bow. Uh, just switched over my buddy Dan Heverin to a Matthews. He is absolutely loving it. Um, they, they just build great shooting bows. So if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to check one out and, and shoot one of these new Matthews. I really believe they're building best bows on the market. I also want to thank Onyx. Onyx has been my best friend over the last few months here. <laughs> Oh, man, have I been studying up for all these hunts. But to do this legwork or this e-scouting from your house and put in time and to be able to access, you know, all your waypoints and everything you've marked and all your maps on on your computer, on your tablet, on your phone is a game changer. I mean, being able to have your phone in the field and use it as a GPS and have current maps on there, um, man, it just changes the way that I hunt. And I'm able to save all these maps so I can use them even in places where I don't have service and my GPS will still work. So you just save the maps. You can save them in different detail and then have all your maps when you show up on a hunt with all your waypoints marked and a lot of your e-scouting done. And this just gives me a leg up on my competition. Uh, my hunt plans, uh, you know, I have plan A, plan B, plan C, but I've already spent so much time in all these mountains that I'm going to hunt this season. Uh, so Onyx is just great. Satellite imagery, aerial topography, you can get a hybrid of both. Um, just the, the, the greatest scouting tool and hunting tool ever invented, Onyx. Uh, with that, make sure to check out everything we have going on at Eastman's. Uh, you can check out uh, Eastman's Flycast, fly fishing sp uh, specific podcast that I do. Some great episodes on there. Check out Beyond the Grid. We've got some great new episodes dropping. Uh, there's a brand new episode, well, it's an older episode of a, a mule deer hunt I did in the high country in Wyoming that we just released about a month ago or so, or so. Um, so you can check that out. 
Um, and, and yeah, I think uh, Dan Picard, I got to look and see if it's up. I really want to watch it, but um, his giant bull he harvested last year is coming up on Beyond the Grid. So I'm not sure if it's out yet or not or out in the next week or two, uh, but I'll let you guys know on it. It's going to be an awesome episode. I can't wait to watch it. Also check out uh, uh, Eastman's Hunting TV on the Outdoor Channel. Um, got some, some great episodes on there. I have my elk hunt from last year in Montana. Just wild action chasing those bulls around and snow and weather. Uh, it's a really cool hunt that I was happy to be able to capture. And, you know, it's after doing it for four or five years, you just get better at telling the story. And um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that episode. So set your DVR for that. Um, and uh, also make sure to check out Eastman's Tag Hub. Eastman's Tag Hub is a internet research tool that we put together that, that compiles all our MRS data from our magazines and, and, and even more, and, and they're constantly evolving it and adding to it, but it's just such a great uh, resource for us Western hunters to figure out which units are hunting good, uh, current trends, three-year success averages, uh, buck-to-doe ratios, all this information is compiled in there to help you draw those, those good tags across the West. And that MRS data or that data in that tag hub it helped me directly this year draw some some good tags and and get aggressive with my applications as as tags are getting tougher and tougher. So it just gives you uh, this this great handle on the West and what's going on in all the Western states. So check that out. It's called Eastman's Tag Hub. We're doing a huge giveaway right now, sixteen thousand dollars worth of gear, uh, quiet cat bike in there. There's uh, pistols, rifles, bows, packs, you name it. Uh, so make sure to check that out. And, um, yeah, check out the magazines, uh, Eastman's Hunting Journal, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. I just submitted an article for Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal, uh, Finding Giant Muleys. Um, yeah, it, it's a great article. It came out really good. Uh, great pictures. I haven't seen the layout yet, but I sent them a, I always send them way too many pictures to, just to give them, you know, that artistic freedom to put together a good spread. But, um. Man, I pour my heart and soul into these articles, and it's just this this different platform than talking on a podcast, where you really get to, you know, squeeze everything into fifteen hundred words and then read through it and uh, make changes to it, and make sure it reads the exact way you want it to read for guys to where it hits home. And so, I uh, really put a lot of time and effort into those articles. So I've got a great new one coming out in the Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal. Um, Eastman's Bow Hunting Journal does six episode six episodes uh six issues a year and uh so does eastman's hunting journal so 12 total issues so if you're interested in that make sure to check it out and with that i'm just trying to get these get this work and this podcast done and trying to contain my excitement uh, i've been waiting all year and it is game time uh, a few days away from leaving on a backcountry hunt so still a lot of things to get done for me uh, a lot of construction still, uh, podcasts, get things lined up while I'm gone, but uh, it's starting to check off my list, and I'm getting closer and closer here, so man, I just can't wait. Uh, this is what I what I absolutely live for, um, backcountry hunting. Man, this is what all the, the work and effort is for, all these trail miles, all this shooting, time to cut loose on season so uh, I'm super excited I know you guys are getting super excited so I'll just try to continue to bring you the absolute best information that pertains to the part of the season we're in 
so I am going to release that solo early season hunt, uh, do some mule deer, some antelope in that. I will get that recorded and released before I go as a bonus before season. And um, yeah, some great podcasts in the works. I'm super excited. So thanks you guys for the support. Um, yeah, let's get this thing rolling. So uh, this is my buddy, Dan Staten. Uh, really enjoy the conversation. Eastman's Elevated. I'm your host, Brian Barney. Here we go. Okay, I'm live here. I've got Dan Satan. Um, Dan, I am so excited to get you on the podcast. Uh, you work so hard at improving your skill set to be effective uh, for hunting elk. You absolutely love to chase elk, don't you? Yeah, I elk hunting changed my life, quite honestly. You know what I mean? It's just something that when I found it, I knew it was for me. I knew that there, the door was wide open for me to get better. And here I am now, just still as love i'm in love with it as much today as i was 20 years ago so it's wild it's something that you you work at and improve at but you never really reach the top or there's never you're you're always constantly improving or there's always room to get better at least that's that's what it is for me is that is that what you found too yeah certainly i mean i think that's why i like elk hunting is because it's hard and i don't want to get philosophical right out the gates but man like if you look at our world today, most people are pretty soft and they want to gravitate towards things that are the low road or low hanging fruit. They just don't want to work hard and I don't blame them. There's just, maybe they haven't found that thing that makes them tick, but boy, we have mm -hmm. elk hunting and it's made the idea of working hard and taking the high road super palatable. I mean, I just, I desire it. I know what it will do for me come season. So yeah, I love hard work and I love elk hunting. They go hand in hand. Man, when when you find something that's worth working hard for, uh, that's it. And when you find elk and you get hooked on it and you see you you feel and experience that thrill and excitement, and then you get the payoff of of putting all this hard work into something and see it come to fruition and you arrow a bull, which is really difficult to do. That feeling of satisfaction is great. And so then you have the payoff and then you're just you're willing to work harder to go achieve that again and go create it again, right? It's like a, it's probably a drug. Honestly, I think it is. <laughs> it's just you, the highs and lows are really far apart mm -hmm. and you will probably experience more lows than highs. And, uh, that's for certain in fact, but when you finally get there, there's no better feeling, mm -hmm. at least for me. And yeah, it's super rewarding. Yep. So we're recording here. We're at the Western summit. So, uh, Ryan Lampers puts on the Western summit. And, um, so I spoke this morning, Dan's going to speak, uh, later today. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Um, and Dan, you have so much going on. I just love your hustle. You work so hard at it. So you're constantly working and evaluating your own game and improving yourself. And I, I love how honest you are with yourself, too, as you you truly look at yourself and find your weakness and work on it. And you're not afraid to talk about it or say it. Um, I, I just like that's a breath of fresh air for me. So I've been following along. I met you about a year ago or so. And I've been following along, just digging all your content. So you have a podcast, uh, Elk Shape Podcast. Is that right? Yep. Yep. And then you're running these Elk Shape camps that yeah. are helping guys get ready to elk hunt. 
and you're really shortening their learning curve. So I met a couple that came on the hike that went to your camp oh, that yeah. harvested like a really good bowl last year. And it was their first year elk hunting. They had built those skills through going to your camp. So I just think it's so cool. Everything you have going on. What else do you have going that you can promote here on the podcast? Oh, you know, I'm promoting hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, you know, being accountable. I talk about those things. I want to promote that. Um, I want to promote hunting in a positive light. Uh, I want people to understand that uh, elk hunting is a gift or whatever hunting you're into. It's a blessing. Um, it's not a curse. It's going to help elevate everything else outside of it. But as far as the Elk Shape brand, yeah, we do a podcast. We do the Elk Shape camps, and those are super rewarding, and they're very content-rich environments, and it's very – uh, like what Ryan's doing here, it's really rewarding to hear that, you know, I know that couple, shout out to uh, McKenna and her boyfriend, uh, is it is it Jason, is that his name? Yeah, yep, I yeah. think so. Yeah, he killed his first bull on public land in the state of Washington, which you and I are both from, on the west side, super hard to do, and they grinded it out, and their story of it is just awesome, and they came to a couple, they came to an elk shape camp and then did that, not that elk shape camp got them that bull, but just some of the principles and the ideas, and they're both hardworking people anyway, so couldn't happen to a better power couple. Uh, but we're doing this new project, man. I guess I'll talk about it. It's called the Elk Collective. So good friends, Jason Phelps, owner of Phelps Game Calls, and Dirk Durham, uh, a.k.a. The Bugler, and then John Gabriel of Apex Advertising. We kind of were like, man, we like this digital platform of elk hunting education, and we saw that, uh, that there was a few out there. But we felt like no one had really tapped into the market of like, we need a one-stop shop for a place where you can find all the elk hunters, give all their different takes on all the ways to get after elk. Because quite honestly, uh, you hunt elk different than I do, and I hunt elk different than Jason Phelps, and definitely different than, those guys are definitely way more vocal than you. And I'm kind of a hybrid. I've definitely called a handful of bulls in. But I've probably killed more bulls just putting my calls away. And uh, everyone needs to know that elk are not the same. In in many instances, like North Idaho brush bulls are different than Roosevelt's, but they have some similarities. And then those, um, you know, big backcountry bulls that maybe you would chase in, in Montana are going to be a little different than the front country bulls, uh, just like the Southwest is to the, you know, the Great North. And so I think... You need to hear, where, depending on where you're going, hear different theories. And kind of like you said in your lecture a couple hours ago, is like you kind of take all these tools and put it into your toolbox. And then you start figuring out what it is that is your style. And I know I have mine and it's still evolving and you have yours. And so that's why we created the Elk Collective to have kind of a place where content can live and breathe and constantly be updated. Yes, it's a course, but we're just trying to, it's not about us. It's about a collective of elk hunters. And I feel like there's just more power there. So that's what we're going to launch that pretty soon. And I'm very excited about that. Oh, super cool. What a great resource. Today is just the information day and age. And and uh, we kind of came up in the old school. Me and you came up at about the same time writing and trying to build our name. And and uh, there wasn't as much information out there. We kind of had to figure it out in School of Hard Knocks. These guys have it good nowadays as there is uh, more competition for hunting and there's more good hunters out there. But there's still all this opportunity and I, you know, I, I also think, you know, with, with all this opportunity, just having all this information at their fingertips that they can shorten their learning curve and make less mistakes. Um, so I think that's really cool. I, I love everything you have going on. 
I'd like to talk about what you first mentioned when you talked about what you wanted to promote. Um, all these these things that you teach at this camp, you lead by example. Like not only do you live by these rules, like that is your life. You make sure you live by those rules. Talk about that a little bit, just your accountability, your discipline, your hard work, putting all this into your hunting season. Well, I, I will be the first to admit I'm really good at being a human. So I've failed a lot at everything. I, I think people get a perception, maybe it's social media, but, you know, I just want to be the first one to admit, Brian, I am superhuman. I'm going to make mistakes. Uh, and uh, I'm married. I have kids. Like, I don't have it all figured out, okay, just like the rest of us. But one thing I can kind of fall back on is I can look back at what's got me to where I'm at. And it's not um, an abundance of talent. Uh, it's not that I was born into financial stability, whether it be like, you know, I'm not a trust fund kid. I'm just a kid who's from Elk, Washington. That's a small town out of nowhere who figured out probably similar to you through wrestling in junior high, the harder I work, the more I put in, the more I get out. And when I got out of college and, or got out of high school and didn't pursue baseball, I was empty. I was searching. I needed that next thing. And I had really good memories of hunting with my dad as a kid. And I was like, well, I don't have any coaches or sports to play. Let's go hunting. And I got right into hunting. And you know how it is. One thing leads to another. And you start realizing that you can really immerse yourself and pour everything you have into this. And the harder you work, the greater reward. And it just built from there. And I just feel like we're all fortunate as hunters to have that. And we shouldn't take it for granted. Now, um, the discipline and stuff, I mean, it's all about just, you know, taking it day by day almost hour by hour, like trying to win the day, uh, to still a term from Oregon, they have to win the day, uh, written on all, all over their shirts. And I think what they mean is like, literally don't look to tomorrow. Look at right now. What can I do today to make myself be better at said like at elk hunting? And that's kind of the filter I run everything through. And it could be as little as turning the voice down in the back of my head. That's like, you know, Dan, you don't need to shoot your bow right now. Go ahead and go answer some emails or go ahead and make that phone call or, uh, you don't need to work out today. You can do it tomorrow. Or the worst, Brian, and I think this is the most relatable, is like, oh, you can have that beer or you can have that dessert. You're good. You've, you know what I mean? Like we all have this little voice that tries to sabotage us from being successful. And I think we can utilize hunting to turn that voice down. And what ends up happening is you get more control over that remote and you hit mute on that little voice in the back of your head and you start doing the hard stuff, the high road stuff, the stuff that's not seductive and you start getting better at elk hunting. You start getting better at being an awesome husband, first and foremost, an awesome father. And I don't know, I just, I'm a huge Jocko fan. I like his term discipline is freedom. And I fully understand that because I am a very disciplined in individual, but I'm still susceptible to weakness. And every day you have the opportunity to become mentally tougher, more disciplined, or the opposite. And so that's kind of what I was talking about as far as just having um, elk hunting as a gift and living that delayed gratification, knowing that I'm going to get my bull in the fall, but I'm going to put all the work in 365 to make that opportunity happen. And it just so happens it also leads to more personal development. And that's awesome. Really well said. <clears throat> Man, I couldn't agree more. I love that. 
I love that seize the day, looking at each day and trying to get better. What can I do to get better as an elk hunter? Because elk season is a small window of the year. And and, and that's like your backcountry test to see how well you've done in the off season, preparing for it. And, and so every day you have that choice. And you're right. You, a lot of times it's not easy and you have to make time for it. And it's really easy not to shoot the bow today. It, it's not going to affect me tomorrow. It's not going to affect my overall, you know, I'm, I'm fine with one day. It's windy outside or oh, it's raining out there, you know, but to, to make yourself do it, that's how you teach yourself mental toughness, that accountability, making yourself do it day in, day out. Then when it comes elk season, you make yourself do it, whatever you got to do, wherever you got to go uh, to make it happen. That, man, I, I just couldn't agree more. I just love hearing you talk about that. So, so elk hunting, you'd mentioned earlier, you know, elk hunting will take you to your highest highs when you put all this work in and then you're successful and come out on top. You know, I, I think um, to reach that, elk hunting also has to take you to your lowest lows and make you question who you are and what you are about. Uh, talk about some of those in season and how you get over some of those hurdles of being let down on a stock or not having a hunt go the way that that you want it to. How do you pick yourself up and keep after it? Oh, man. That's tough. I, I've learned a lot of lessons on the mountain. Um, I'm primarily a solo elk hunter. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of conversations with myself on the mountain. But having some experience and being in the game – I'm fully aware that everything can change in about 10 seconds. I don't know when those 10 seconds are going to happen, but what I've learned as long as I'm grinding and my terminology grinding means that I'm doing something every second of the hunt to put myself in a position to execute, you know, a 10 X or whatever you want to say. Like I'm out there looking for that one opportunity. So you're not going to catch me, um, back at camp taking a nap like to me that's some people are good at hunting smarter not harder that's not me I would I would feel like I didn't give it everything I had that doesn't mean I'm running around the mountain scaring all the elk throughout the day it just means that I'm fully aware I'm like a mountain lion with an empty stomach 24 7 you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna what's taking a nap gonna do I need to get this elk killed so I know that it's all gonna change within 10 seconds just keeping that mantra in my head has really helped but certainly I've tasted defeat I've I've missed bulls I've wounded a bull and and you know we've all done that it's the worst feeling um and not only because it costs my time but if you're with partners they're helping you look for their bull when it's their turn to be hunting so I really want to say on your podcast like think about all the ramifications before you let that arrow loose like we talk about this at elk shape camps. A lot of guys come to Colorado. It's like the it's like the closest state to everybody living on the eastern seaboard. Well, it's forty eight hour drive for most of them, and that's one way. So that's four days of driving. Well, how many days do out of staters usually give themselves? Ten, fourteen tops. Mm-hmm. Okay, now we're talking. So let's say it was a fourteen day hunt. Now we're down to ten. And one of those days we're going to kind of have to figure out where we're going to set up, quote, base camp or where are we going to hike into spike camp. So now we have nine or eight days. And then, well, Brian wants to be shooter probably four of those eight days. And I want to be shooter. So now our two-week hunt is really just you have a bow in your hand four days and I have. And then I end up wounding a bull on one of my days. And now I'm burning some of your time looking for that bull. There's no worse feeling. You know what I mean? So, uh 
that's the lowest of low. And, you know, it all can change and you have to stay positive and you have to put yourself out there and you have to control your effort and your attitude. You are not going to control lightning strikes, wildfires, uh, other hunters, hunting pressure, whether they're ethics, maybe they're illegally riding their four-wheeler back in a place that you just spent six miles with, you know, sweat equity. You can't control them. You can only control you, your effort and attitude. So I think it distills down to it only takes 10 seconds. Control your effort and attitude. Um, the lower you go, potentially maybe the higher you'll go. And um, it's a drug, man. I love that. I like that roller coaster ride. It's the best one I've found. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Effort and attitude. That's so true. Yeah, that effort and attitude is the thing you can control and you can continue to push forward. And I, I just can't help but find this common trait between successful hunters, this passion and this fire to, to push hard and to give it all you have no quit in you and, and mess up a stock. It, it's time to get back after it and get another stock, find redemption, make it happen. But I just see that in you. I see you on that hunt doing everything you possibly can to try to fill that elk tag, everything in your power, every second of every day. And those are the guys that find success. That's like me, that that burning desire, that passion, that fire to just keep looking, to keep finding. Because we've seen that payoff and, and we're willing to pay the tax of hard work to go find it again. I just love that, man. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I remember last season I had, a, I had a Wyoming tag and I killed a bull like maybe the second day of hunt. I mean, I was, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to Idaho. I got two over-the-counter elk tags meats in the freezer so i kind of like already checkmate like i got my meat and i'm a huge like meat is a priority i wouldn't say i'm a trophy hunter in fact i know i'm not but i love shooting elk i want to get a couple bulls killed every year so it's like all right i'm going to idaho i got uh, i actually took a little extra time spending with the family because i got done early and i'm like all right mrs elk shape i'll see you in three weeks i'm going to idaho bro i got my teeth kicked in i didn't kill another elk the rest of the season now I could have probably killed a few rag bulls and I'd already killed one, but that's not the point of my story. It was like, I grinded for 21 days through the, some of the wettest fall hunting conditions I've ever had. Like I, I had gators, I had sick of rain gear. I had, uh, I had to start fires I had to dry out. Uh, brush was wet. That huckleberry brush. If y'all don't know, it just, it holds on to water days and days and days. And, uh, I grinded and had some opportunities, just not on the bull I was really wanting. And I hunted one bull in particular a few different times. And he just didn't do things that most bulls do. He's a he's the most dominant bull on the mountain. He didn't run with the cows. Like, he kind of hung out where all the cows, like a pinch point, where the cows would go, bed, all these different little fingers, really spread out. And then they would all converge, but they'd come through his funnel on their way to, to feed. And I swear he just picked them all up, took them to bed, or took them to feeding all night, rutted his brains out, and then they'd get down to the pinch point, he'd hang there, and then they'd all disperse. And I wanted him, and I got in on him just mm, so many different times. He was super smart. I never outsmarted him. I'm grateful for that. Like, he, I left 2019 elk season, killed the bull within two days, and then spent the rest of the season never, never pulled my bow back. I never got my bow pulled back on that bull or any bull that I really wanted to. And it made me hungry, 
really hungry. So I am feeling sorry for the elk in 2020 because elk shape's hungry. And I'm, I'm, I'm coming, swinging. I've worked harder than ever. And it's a blessing, right? Like if you look at it through that lens, like, yeah, I wasn't successful. Well, I was, but not to my expectations. Like you were saying, you're you know, your biggest critic. So am I. So I'm really prepared hard this year, and I'm excited for 2020. I bet. Oh, I can't wait to see what you turn up. That's the attitude that kills bulls, that that hunger like that. And it does. It keeps you wanting for more where you, you put that extra work in for next season. You just know there's just no way that I'm going to be unsuccessful again. But the, these hunts, they're so difficult. And, yeah, we get humbled by them. Uh, same way a, a mule deer hunt in, in Wyoming last year. And, and it was as good a hunting as I've ever seen. I had it all to myself. I located a bunch of bucks I wanted to shoot. We dealt with the weather, snowstorms, rainstorms every single day, swirling winds. And I could not make it happen. My buddy killed his best buck to date, which I was really happy to help him with that. Just this really good back fork buck. But uh, he grinded with me for the next seven, eight days. We did 10 days in there. And then before that, I did five days in Colorado. And I'm a high country muley guy. And I got humbled, but I gave it my absolute all. Every stock, every chance, every move of camp, everything I could possibly do to be successful just wasn't in the cards. And most seasons, I don't need half those stocks to get it done. I just, I'd get in there, the wind would switch, it'd swirl, I'd have something blow up. But but I learned from it. It made me hungry. So, you know, after, after going through those high country mule deer hunts, you know, it's like I know I've got the skill set. I, I know I can get it done. I went into elk season swinging and got it done on a couple nice bowls, able to get a late season buck, and so able to close out the season really well. But um, we're never immune to it. The, those hunts can humble us, and they just take constant effort and hard work um, just to give yourself a chance. Yeah, I like that, that you, your buddy – this isn't really on topic, but your buddy killed his best buck and he stayed with you for seven, eight days. I don't know if anyone heard of that. That's, that's a good hunting partner, oh man. Gosh. He could have been like, I'm good. I got what I came out here for, Brian. Enjoy the mountain. I'm out. Um, that's a good hunting partner. Oh my PS. gosh, the best. Yeah. Yeah, that's legit. Yeah. But, you know, those Wyoming bucks better look out because if you just make Brian Barney mad, it's not in your best favor for the next year. He's just going to be hungrier and uh, – it's not going the wind's not going to be swirly every time. Mm-hmm. And when it's not, that's when you're going to strike. So no, that's, that's exciting to hear. And yeah, you had a really good season. I remember being in Idaho. Um, I think you just killed your spot and stock antelope and I was on day eight of a day seven antelope hunt. If that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> Those and things I'm, are so tough, aren't they? Oh, I love they them. They can be. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, Barney just got it done. I got to get it done today. Like you were my inspiration that day. I was like, all right, because no one really, there's not a lot of guys at spot and stock that I know of antelope. A lot of them sit ground blinds and, and that's cool. But I was like, all right, Barney did it. It was the inspiration I needed and I got mine done. And I just remember like, yeah, sometimes it takes extra innings uh, if you can muster it and, if it were easy, everybody would do it, right? Like, man, we want it to be hard. And again, it all goes back to how you look at it. It's just a blessing to have that in your life and to have something that just fires you up. A lot of people are fired up about the latest Netflix series that's coming out. And that's what they got to look forward to. We're lucky. Oh, we, my gosh. You know what I mean? That I found that passion, that thing that I love, that you found it. We are so fortunate, so lucky. Yeah. We have something we can think about and put our energy in, something that's that's worth working hard for, that uh, that we see the value in. Yeah, we are so fortunate. You're right. To be able to challenge ourselves physically and mentally. And I see so many people walking around 
that don't have passion in their lives or something that they love. And, um, yeah, I feel sorry for them. There's nothing more fulfilling than having something that you love. And it, you know, it's not financial based. It's uh, pure enjoyment, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, um, and that's the thing that I love. It's such a such a, a pure quest, it seems like. And it's just so fun to challenge yourself and see what you're really capable of mentally and physically. And and, and you have more in the tank. Even even me in every hunt, there there's more to give. There there is more in the tank, you know. And so um we're we're so much so much more capable than we than we think sometimes, you know, packing out these elk, you know, that's that's when it you know, that's the payoff for me. I'm usually all smiles at that point. Like I've, I've harvested my gold bull, but that's where it gets tough too. If you're by yourself, that's three trips out. Yeah. It's, I don't think I've done two once maybe. Uh, I don't think I'll ever do that again, but I'm almost always by myself. That's the downfall of solo elk hunting is the pack outs mm-hmm. by yourself sure and three trips. That's still not three easy trips. No, <laughs> you three know heavy trips. Especially yeah. if you're like have a pack uh, or a, your camp involved yes. in one of those pack outs. Yes. But uh, hopefully you can get some friends. Uh, in some instances, I'll look up packers in certain areas and get them on my inReach. You know, uh, and that comes to logistics and planning ahead, proper prior planning. But um, you know, I'm a commodity is energy and commodity is time when you're elk hunting. And I don't like to spend either once you've killed an elk. So if there's any way to get friends to help, especially if you have multiple tags in your pocket and save that commodity for the next elk hunt, great. But um, there's some there's some pack outs that are just like, what are we, why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much money and time to live like a homeless person on a mountain and chase bugles and then to get the meat this far away from the truck? But that's a temporary feeling. It goes it away. Temporary. I don't even remember my worst packouts. They all. I, my memory right now is that they're awesome. Mm-hmm. They weren't, mm-hmm. but looking back, I think they were all awesome, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Pain is temporary. Yeah. No, you, you remember back at all the, the the positive things that happened in the hunt, but there's no place you'd rather be than when you get back from an elk hunt than it's on an elk hunt. You just can't stop thinking about it. Uh, and it's so fun to be in the mountains and really challenge yourself. That type two fun. Um, Man, it's such a riot. Uh, so, so this year is your redemption year. It sounds like um, you've been working really hard, preparing yourself for elk season. Yeah. Uh, what do you have coming up, and how does your your preparation ramp up here as we're getting close to elk season? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, um, I do have general tags this year. Nothing special, but uh, I'm hunting a new area in Idaho. I've never been in before. So that's going to be exciting. I'm kind of saying goodbye to my brush country bulls. I just feel like uh, last year I just didn't see a lot of mature age class. I did see – I just feel like I need to give them a break. I feel like uh, there's not much going on there. And when I say North Idaho, it's a pretty broad term, but it's not hard to figure out. Like it's a – it's just your steep brush country bulls. There's a lot of wolves and stuff in there. And I just feel like a lot of hunting pressure, a lot of road access – just taking a break. So I'm going to go to a new place in Idaho, which I like that wanderlust. Go check out new areas. Uh, going to go to Wyoming, just a general tag. And I, I like Wyoming. And I'm going to spend some time in Montana. And I call that the triangle, man. So I got the triangle hunt this year. It's not uh, it's not a typical year, but you never know what you're going to get. I do have a Washington State tag. Uh, I don't even know if I'll get to that hunt. But the my, that's my primary focus uh, this time of year. Um, kind of the dog days of summer, if you will, is 
it's my time to spend as much with my family as possible. As much like after this podcast, we're heading down to Yellowstone. We're gonna go do a big long week camping trip. We had it plan. I planned this in October when I got back from my elk hunt last year. I was like, grab the calendar. I knew Ryan was having this summit, and we planned a family vacation on the back end of it. So just being intentional and communicating with my wife right now, which is not fun, friends. Like I get to tell her that I got an antelope tag for this state, and then I'm going to go to this state for antelope, and then I'm going to roll right into Idaho elk, and then I'm going to go to Wyoming elk, and then I'm going to finish up in Wyoming or Montana, and I will see you October 16th. That's not like super fun. We have young kids. She has a job that she works, and uh, we need to get a nanny. We need to get possibly help cleaning the house um there's a lot of logistics involved so yeah i'd love to tell you that it's all about me shooting my bow and working out but quite honestly right now i'm trying to do logistics i'm trying to make sure that my wife's life doesn't suck because i'm gone so long doing elk shape and elk collective stuff uh so i'm working on that and then e-scouting is huge mark Livesey is going to talk here tomorrow on his master class i'm taking his master class right now and um I met Mark here last year. Did you meet him for the first time last year? I did, yeah. Yeah, and I was just kind of blown away at the geek level he went to. I thought I was pretty good, but he he definitely got dives deeper down the rabbit hole. Uh, so I've used some of his best practices from that what I learned last year. So I have a few more fine-tuning things to do on my e-scouting. Uh, two of the places I'm going, I will not be able to step foot in before mm-hmm. I get there. And so I really want to have a good hunt plan, like an A to Z all the you know contingencies from weather to hunting pressure to whatever. Um, so I'm doing a lot of time on the e-scouting and transferring some of those Google Earth KLMs over to base map, just kind of navigating my digital plan and then um, uh, physical stuff. That to me, that's kind of comes easy. For training and working out. I look forward to that. Shooting my weapon. Um, I got work to do there. I got, I just. Yeah, I try to prioritize everything. Right now, the priorities is logistics, family, and then e-scouting. That's kind of where it's a different time of year. I'm not usually worried about those during the application season, but here we are, a couple weeks, months out, getting pretty serious about proper prior planning. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's that. It's unspoken, um, unspoken life tasks that need to be done before hunting season and as you talk about it I really relate as I'm in the same place like for me it's not about a bunch of scouting time it's about a bunch of hunting time and so I've got to get my life in order and that's you know the podcast that's my construction company and that's my family the summertime is my time to spend with my family and so really getting all this quality time in taking care of all my responsibilities so once September gets here I do have the days that I can go hunt, but that's such a big unspoken part of hunting. It's just taking care of the other things in life and and then coming through, being a good husband and a good father, taking them on adventures and fishing and hiking through the mountains and getting them out to experience so they have a good summer, especially coming off all this, the COVID lockdown for at least my kids, 16 and, and 12, you know, all their sports were canceled and all, they've been at the house too much, you know, and my oldest daughter's been working and now they're starting to play basketball and volleyball and get back after it. But yeah, I've got a responsibility to get these girls out and show them some fun here uh, before hunting season and it's part of the beautiful thing too is when you when you're there for your family and you do everything to be a good family man like like in turn my wife supports 
my family supports what I do and they know what it means to me and how I like to challenge myself. So when it gets to be hunting season, they support me wholeheartedly. It isn't a fight to go hunting. They, they, they support it. They want me to succeed and do well and challenge myself and come back fulfilled. And honestly, it gives me perspective on my life as I'm out there hunting. You know, it is every waking minute trying to do what I can to be successful, but I get this time to reflect back on myself and my family and my interactions and if I'm being the best human I can be, you know, and, and you get to go back and, and do better and be better, you know, but it, it does give me great perspective on my life. When you're in the grind of every day, you can't like look at your life because you're just, you're in the motion the whole time and it's like your brain can't ever stop to think about it, but you get away from it and away from your family and up on the mountains and, and really enjoying yourself and pushing with this physical exercise. And it just seems like your thought process changes. Like you, you come back with a better perspective. Do you find that as well on your hunts? Yeah, man. Like just sitting here listening, you go, yep, yep. I mean, if you want clarity in your life, Go to the mountains. And that's just my personal and obviously for you too. Uh, it's a it's a good thing. But I do come out of the mountains every year just kind of a better man. And I've tried to – that's kind of one of my selling points. So those guys listening or whatever trying to talk to your spouse about your hunting addiction is like I've tried to tell my wife like I, I need this because I it is obviously what I'm most passionate about besides faith and family is hunting. Uh, but I also need the time in the mountains for clarity. You will have a better day in Staten come October if I get my time in the woods to be still and to be off the hamster wheel and to be looking at, wow, you need to change course, bro. That is not acceptable. And there's a handful of things that I will probably be on my radar after this season where I'm like, bro, you got to change that. That's not good. That's not I don't like the direction. What if I don't know what people do that don't have that thing that gets them away from the hamster wheel where they can self-evaluate, adjust the course, and evolve. You know what I mean? I just don't know how that goes. So I'm sure hunters can all appreciate that message of, yeah, it's about the hunt. Yeah, it's about hopefully getting freezer full of meat, but it's a lot of clarity as well. Mm-hmm. So, Gosh, it helps me explain it better just listening to you talk about it as well like you you right. gain perspective talking to you guys and go yeah that that is right that is what I do or that does make me better but yeah that's it right now it is taking care of responsibility and prepping your life for being able to be gone and chase your dream in the mountains and mm-hmm. so for me like the the e-scouting the preparing the shooting the fitness is all so important to me and I make sure that I get it in every day but not to the detriment of my family mm-hmm. not to the detriment of sitting down at the dinner table like I'll sacrifice my sleep or I'll sacrifice my time in other areas to make sure I'm spending that quality time with my family and and um, it, it's our responsibility, too. We get to go chase our dreams and um, chase them throughout the fall. Uh, we need to make sure we're doing everything we can for, for our family to give them the best upbringing and, and the best life we can. It's just beautiful, man. I love that. I know. And the, the whole clarity component, like, it's not like I'm going hunting to go get it. I'm going I'm, – I'm thinking about the hunt. But it does happen mm-hmm. naturally, like – there's going to be a there's going to be a downtime and there's going to be some thoughts especially I love the back end of hunts man when you've been grinding a burger sounds so good you miss your family you think about your family you're going through your camera roll on your phone that's kind of those moments where you're like man this is what really matters in my life this is the best stuff I got going on and 
this is where I can do better. So it's cool. Hunting is, again, I just think it's undeniable. It's just, it's a huge blessing. If you look at it through the light of positivity and what it can do for you and other avenues, I think hunting can definitely be the best segue for personal development. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So, so what do you think would be the, the, the best advice for guys um, that maybe don't have the elk experience that you do? What are, what are something that you learned early on <laughs> or that you've learned throughout the years that you've really gotten better at where it's like, gosh, I, I messed this up for a lot of years or um, uh, something that the guys can take away um, that they can implement into their own hunting. If you had to give one tip, what would it be? <sighs> one tip. Um, I'm going to think of the first, and this is what I did probably improperly or incorrectly right out the gate. So, so when I was, uh, I killed a bull my first time I ever went hunting within probably 10 minutes with a rifle. Um, super lucky. Just shot a, you know, a bull opening day. Cool. Got a bow was like, I, I want to chase these things. These things bugle. I want to hear it for, for real. So I still had never heard a bugle, bought a bow from a pawn shop, taught myself how to shoot, got a hold of some Maybe they're Primos DVDs. I'm not sure what, but definitely saw some elk hunting that was really cool. Didn't know that's not real life. I didn't know that. And so I was like, okay, this is what I got to do. But I uh, got to the, you know, the Idaho and it's steep and deep and I could get elk to talk, but I didn't know how to navigate. So what I mean is I'm not talking like, well, I guess I am talking terrain features, topography, landscape. I didn't understand that elk travel and and ungulates in general they don't just go down a mountain up a mountain down a mountain but that's what i did i didn't know that there was a better way to to side hill to use an elk lateral trail and um, i understood wind a little bit i mean i'd hunted and killed some stuff but i just didn't truly understand or appreciate that the elk know best on how to travel and the elk trail is your best friend in the elk woods so just Think about when you're pulling, and we didn't have Onyx. We had GPSs that didn't show any topo. Like we used topo maps, but I didn't have any on me, and no one was mentoring me, being like, "Hey, Dan, look at this topo map. If you continue to hike like this, you're wasting energy. You're not efficient, and you're never going to catch up to the elk. You actually got to go this way, and it'll put you right on the elk. Does that make any? This got to make makes sense. complete sense. It's so, unspoken, you know. <sighs> the way you move through country and the way you roll through country, path of least resistance. You can burn so much energy trying to get to a place, or you can walk a little bit farther and not have to gain or lose any elevation by holding to the ridge or following that game trail. Makes complete sense. It's so smart. You're so inefficient and ineffective in the woods because you just don't really know how to move around it and how to move through the landscape and how to be effective. So that's a really good point. It's just um, talking about how to move through country and, and how to navigate country to put yourself into animals. Mm, it was bad, man. Like little fingers. I didn't understand. I didn't understand ridge lines or ridge systems. And I was always crossing creeks and I couldn't figure <laughs> out why. Like you shouldn't touch creeks, Dan. You should like... Oh, so, and just to catch up to elk, I about killed myself trying to catch elk and I was just taking straight lines and it didn't matter. So I guess if I had to ask, what have I learned is you, fitness will take you a long ways in elk hunting, 
but there's definitely like a way to balance your portfolio out where you have some fitness, but you have some elk biology, some elk or animal behavior knowledge. You understand how to navigate terrain and terrain features. And once you start to put all these things together and every little component becomes like you're knowledgeable and you have wisdom in each one, that's when you become a killer. And so it took me a long time to get that figured out. And that's okay. It, everything happens for a reason. And uh, I'm just here to help people not make the same mistakes that I did, you know. So you have to pay your dues, but there's definitely a quicker a, a quicker way to the end goal than the way we took the school of hard knocks and making mistakes. And um, that there just wasn't as much information out there. So it, it's beautiful to be able to share you know, our school of hard knocks and hopefully help somebody cut that learning curve or at least be aware of it where then they can improve it. And, well, uh, well, I have a question for you. And I know this okay. is your podcast, but like, when did you put the bugle tube away? Like, I got to imagine you saw hunting videos and you're like, oh, I'm getting to know, I'm getting a bugle tube. I'm going to go call elk. And some of my best friends are like world-class elk callers, literally compete. That's not me. I can hold my own, but I'm a kind of a mixed bag. I've probably more spot and stock but like did you ever like try bugling and you're like threw it away and like i don't need to do like how did you evolve your game that way yeah well i just started to recognize and realize that when these these bulls came in that i'd call in they were on such pins and needles and they'd be facing me a lot and they wouldn't give me a shot they were so on edge and i started thinking like if those elk just wouldn't come in so on edge, like you cannot move a muscle when a bull comes into a call. You can't move your arm and you're trying to draw when they come behind the tree. And I, you know, I got pretty good at it and I killed some elk, but, but I just started to see they're on such pins and needles. What if I could find that bull feeding in a meadow and he has no idea I'm there and he's putting his head down and grazing. And then I get to get in range and really get that broadside good shot. And so I started to see the light there and, and I was hunting so low a lot. So I was calling for myself and I'd finally get the bull I wanted to, to come in or I'd get him to commit and then he'd pin me down and I wouldn't get a shot and my experience was over or the, the, the camel that, or the, the camel that broke the straw's back, <laughs> uh, the straw that broke the camel's back was locating a giant seven point in this secluded back basin where I'd been hunting for multiple days and found him. And I made this plan to call him in. And the moment I started blowing on my calls, he started answering me back and forth. And I, th I thought I had him committed, but the whole time, the first time he heard my call, he gathered up his cows and started heading out of the drainage. Now, not that I could have never... Not that I couldn't ever call that bull in. Maybe you catch that bull in the right attitude. But for me, it was like finally find a bull way back in the wilderness all by myself. And he's this beautiful seven point. And here I blew a couple calls and I chased him out of the country. I never had a chance at him. And I just thought I'm over it. Screw these calls. And it was a hard stop at first. I couldn't just bring my calls and not use them because I'd fall back on them. It was like a right. crutch. Yep. I'd do it to locate them. I'd do them to find action. So I started leaving my calls. And I just started going spot and stock. And there was times where I doubt myself or I think, God, I wish I had a call or I wish I could do it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but I, I kept with it and I kept developing that skill set. And then bulls started to die and more mature bulls started to die. And I had better chances at these herd bulls. So once I started to, to see the payoff in it, um, and, and then I had other buddies that would make the move. I had a buddy, Ryan Williams, is just a killer with his bow. I've had him on the podcast. And the guy is just an elk killer. And, and he did the same thing right around the same time. And then my hunting partners started following suit. They started seeing my success on bigger bulls and spot and stalking. It just started following suit. But I, I almost had to prove it to myself. 
And, and then once I could prove it to myself and see that it was possible and that it could happen, then I started to really develop in it and believe in it to where I never wanted to pick up a call again. It was like, my system's better than that. You know, I like it better, but uh, it, it's just unique to the individual. And I think it's a mix and match of what you find that works for the elk country that you hunt and the elk you hunt. But, but that uh, seemed to work for me. Yeah. So brush country bulls, like, you yeah. know, I'm bringing, I'm bringing calls, but, uh, this year, um, at least one, if not two of my three States, I will pull a Brian Barney and I will leave the calls in the truck. And why I do that is because it makes me commit to that strategy. And, um, I've said this on my podcast before, but if the bigger, the bull I've killed, the less vocalizations I've made the end. And the smaller the satellite, you know, those, which I don't mind shooting satellites too, by the way. Uh, I'm a meat hunter, but those are the most vocal interactions and stuff. So if you're into maturity, you definitely should try the, you know, at least give it a shot for a day. Try the Brian Barney way. But the day that you burned down the ships and didn't pack the calls, I'm sure you doubted yourself. But somewhere along that line, you were like, aha, that was your aha moment. Mm -hmm. And you found your style. You found you. And that's the cool thing about elk hunting, man, is everyone has so – like there's so many different styles or playbooks to run. I choose to be like kind of the guy who can run a little bit of everybody's playbook and be able to adapt to whatever the situation calls for. You know what I mean? Yes, so. I do. And I think that's a smart way to go about it. There's times where you run into a bull that's bugling in the middle of the day and he leaves his cows and he's going to a wallow and he's bugling like crazy. You know, if you move in and make a couple calls, that bull's going to come see what you got going on. So there's, there's scenarios where you should have those tools in your toolbox. And I, you know, um, yeah, I, ju I just committed to that style and into learning it to where, you know, I, I started to create opportunities for myself where it's like, I know I'm going to create enough opportunities hunting this style. This is the way I'm going to go about it. But I definitely think it's smart to have all those tools in your toolbox and at your disposal and try to look at the scenario and what best fits in that scenario. I think that's smart. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Well, dude, I love everything you got going on. I can't wait to follow along this season. Uh, Elk-shaped camps. Um, uh, what's the, uh, the, the website again, that's launching tomorrow. Oh yeah. So July 1st, we have the elk collective launching, uh, that's with, uh, Jason Phelps and Dirk Durham and John Gabriel. And then a bunch of our friends, yourself included, which getting all our elk hunting buddies to commit to dropping content there and digital education. Oh man, it's awesome. I can't wait to see it. And then you also have the podcast. Make sure to check that out. But, uh, guys do yourself a, fa a favor and follow Dan. He's a great follow and a go-getter. So thanks, man. I really appreciate it. Likewise, man. All right, guys, that's a wrap. Fun conversation with Dan. Um, gosh, the guy is, uh, such a hustler. So self-motivated, uh, into self-improvement and just absolutely loves to bow hunt so thanks for him taking the time make sure to check out everything dan has going on he runs the elk shape podcast um he he's part of the elk collective uh and i did a piece for uh, elk shape podcast we did a an interview on there where dan inter interviewed me came out a few weeks ago got a lot of positive feedback on that and then i also did a piece for his um uh for that elk collective, I did like a 15 minute piece on spotting and stalking elk and uh, put that out. So, um, yeah, so I'm part of both of those projects. He's got a ton going on. And thanks to him for taking the time and coming on the, the podcast and then just being so honest and authentic. I just love those conversations. These are truly the guys that that motivate me to become better.
I also want to thank our sponsors. I want to thank Matthews Bows. Again, Dan Staten is shooting a Matthews as well. I absolutely love this new VXR uh, thing as a, a shooter. So if you're in the market for a new bow, make sure to check out Matthews. I truly believe they're building the best bows on the market. Uh, also, make sure to check out Onyx. Uh, Onyx has been my best friend over the past few weeks, planning for these hunts, learning these mountain ranges. So many different features, able to access it from your phone, from your computer, just a great program. So uh, if you don't have Onyx, make sure to check out Onyx and everything they offer. And um, with that, ready to cut these legs loose and get after it. Few days left till I leave. Um, some big hunts coming up. Uh, this is what I waited all year for. Just, uh, I swear, this time of year, feel like a like a prize fighter getting ready for a fight or uh, getting ready for the Super Bowl or whatever it is. It's just spent all year putting all this work and effort into this one season and this one endeavor, and now it's right here in front of me. So I just can't wait. Um, can't wait to showcase my skills and and uh, be able to get out there and match wits with some with some trophy animals. Uh, I know you guys got some great hunts coming up, um, so try to keep releasing really good information on the podcast here to you guys and uh, get you guys fired up for season and keep you motivated for season and then just give you those next level tactics uh, to help make you better in the field and and hopefully bring more success your way. Um, so I absolutely can't wait. A few days away, it is game time. So uh, I'll record that that early season podcast solo, and I'll just put that out as soon as I get it done before I leave. And uh, you guys will have that to, to kind of listen to before um, some of the mule deer seasons and some of the antelope seasons open up. So, uh, man, just been running behind, just been swamped here, man construction and then uh, the podcasts and uh, everything else I have going on and um, family and trying to fit everything in here. It's it's just been busy, but busy is good and um, got some great training in, uh, just feeling 100% for these hunts, ready to cut these legs loose. So uh, thanks you guys for the support. I really appreciate it. Um, I'll check in with you guys later this week, check in with you next week, uh, or at least have a podcast ready to go while I'm hunting. So talk to you guys soon.